Welcome to a Lunch with Biggie, a podcast about small business and creatives sharing their stories and inspiring you. Today, my guest turned a doodle of a donut cat. Yes, I said donut cat into a fabric toy in 2012 and since then has captured the hearts and the sweet tooth of all the folks who come visit at Pike Flakes Market in Seattle and online with their tasty collection of pastry pets. Please welcome Thomas and Skye of Martin Sailor. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey. we're doing good. Thank uh, you so much for having us. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> gotta say I, my heart's beating. I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> you I'm excited too, because you don't understand. Like I so I met you guys. Well, before we before I start talking about that, because I know I'm gonna get lost in it. My number my first question always right off the bat is what is your go-to favorite sandwich? BLT. Go-to favorite. Sky's been making these really good breakfast bagel sandwiches. So that's my go-to right now. Okay. What's usually in the in the bagel sandwich, out of curiosity? Well, there's different levels, you know, depending on how much food's in the fridge. If we're yeah. going to go, like, full on, it would be tomato, uh, cheese, avocado, bacon, and arugula. egg. Yeah, some arugula on top. Oh, yeah, that's nice. On an that's everything bagel. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love the everything bagel. Sometimes what I'll <laughs> do is I'll put cream cheese, and I'll even put everything bagel on the cream cheese to then go into the sandwich. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. That's definitely put, some good stuff. Do you put chips in the sandwich? You ever yes. do that? Yes. A lot <laughs> what, what is acceptable? Ch- oh, everything's acceptable. I call those, I call sandwiches with chips in it. Um, one of my favorite sandwiches is a sandwich that has French fries in it. And I call those full meal sandwiches. That's kind of like where the sides <laughs> and everything are already inside the sandwich. Like, so that's kind of the theory behind it. Like, I love those. You don't have to, you don't even need sides. Like you could still have extra chips, but you know, it's nice (laughs) to do that. I had a, I just had a sandwich this weekend that was so-so and it was refrigerated. So I needed something because I kind of felt like it was a little soggy. So what I did was I grabbed a bunch of chips and threw it in there just to give it a little extra crunch factor. So uh, helped out quite a bit, you know, no sandwich sandwich goes uneaten in my house. (laughs) Now, what about, you know, desserts? It's, it's like ice cream sandwich. That's the extent. So today is today is actually National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. Um, You're making that up. Nope. Swear to God, today, today it is. Today is the National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. Uh, you know, so to August 2nd, if you're hearing this, obviously you're not going to hear this August 2nd, but just so you know in your calendar, National yeah, Ice Cream it. Sandwich Day. It is. Yeah, you missed it. And hopefully you had it. If you follow me on social, you definitely know about it because I even posted my shirt and I'm even going to go after my our interview. I'm going to go. Uh, one of my favorite ice cream shops is actually selling ice cream cookie sandwiches. Ooh. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's one of my favorites. It's a uh, but s'mores. There's a, a lot of different desserts. Oh, yeah. Geez, I've never yeah. even thought about that. You can definitely that do quite a few. is technically a sandwich. Is it? Is it? Is it an Oreo technically a sandwich? Yeah. Disguised it is called as a, a cream. It's called a cream filled sam- cook sandwich cookie. Is what it's called. <laughs> if we ever see it on the box or when they talk about it, um, the and the craziest little fact, and this is kind of where I, my nerdness comes out. Um, Eighty. It's like I think it's like eighty percent. So like the double stuffed. A lot of people say like they the double stuffed is actually not double. It's almost like eight. It's like technically it's only like seventy five percent more or seventeen seventy five. <laughs> And 80% more cream than what it is double stuff, but it's okay. I, I'm I'm but, fine with it. Okay, last intro sandwich question yeah, from yeah. me to you, since you have all these sandwich facts. Yeah. Do you remember okay, like Wendy's or, or not Wendy's, it was Hardy's or whatever they call it, Carl's Jr. They had mm-hmm. like a chicken sandwich that had lettuce as the bun. Is that truly a sandwich, or is that just 
like, I, does I that fall within the experts uh, categorization? I do not think like I don't consider wraps because um, that's kind of like almost like a lettuce wrap. Um, I wouldn't is, consider yeah. I wouldn't consider a wrap a sandwich. It's it could fall out both sides, though. It's in the handheld world. So <laughs> like, you know, kind of like hot dogs and other things like that. It's like our pizza or tacos. They're kind of in that world is what I call it is what I kind of think. OK. About. Okay. All right. So curiosity stated. No, I love it, dude. I, I love I'm I'm all about all this conversation. So uh so I need I just kind of want to be able to I, first let me have you tell their story because I mentioned donut cats and you know pastry pets. Um I know people are probably like, well, what the heck are these? What the heck are they, who's Anthony talking to? So tell people a little bit about um Martin and Sailor. First off, before I start. I love the fact that your name is basically, and, it, and I'm assuming it's you guys started the business before you got married. Is that correct? So it basically, the interesting part is it's Thomas Marnin and Sky Sailor together creating Marnin Sailor. So it's kind of like they sandwiched the idea or you the law offices of yes, like the law offices of exactly. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of where the name came from. So now tell people a little bit about the story about how the whole idea of Sky, how you came up with Donut Cat, and then kind of how it evolved. All right. Um, well, I had been making plush toys like stuffed animals for fun for quite a while, starting when I was in, well, starting when I was a kid, but then starting in earnest when I was in college. And um, like you said, it was in 2012. I did just a little doodle of a Donut Cat in my margin of my notebook or something, and I thought that it would be fun to make a toy of it for myself. So I did, and some friends of ours saw them. I took a picture and posted it, and uh, some friends saw it, and they all wanted to purchase them for holiday gifts that year. So Thomas was very excited and is always up for helping me with pretty much anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll help you make some of those. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds fun. So we made a few for the people that wanted them for presents and then Thomas suggested that we try to do a craft fair which I really actually didn't want to do that was a long time later though <laughs> this guy's missing out on a lot oh of okay well you should jump in so that was then. that was nine months after we started making them together that's okay. true um so what happened well yeah what did happen so Sky made the first one for her and then the friends wanted some so i started helping her make them and then sky came up with the mini donut cat so we actually make big toys that we haven't made in like a year since like before lockdown but we make a big donut cat that has paws that was well that was the first toy it's bigger than a donut but smaller than a cat that was kind of yep. our, the way we describe it uh and then sky came up and was like oh we should make a donut sized one uh, so we started making the mini donut cat way easier to make like the big ones take forever, but the little guys, they fit in a donut bag, super cute. So we started selling those to friends and family. We made a really bad website where people could mail us a check, <laughs> you know, like obviously we weren't trying to sell them all that hard. Yeah. Um, and then we got into a few like local boutique shops. Cause it just sounded like, sounded like fun, you know, to have this project that was kind of ongoing and. Sky and I went to uh, school together, art school for graphic design. So we were designing like the tags for these things and the website and everything, which was just, you know, it's an enjoyable practice to do, to yeah. make something nice, as nice as you can. Uh, and so we got into a couple of boutique shops and, you know, at this point, 
you know, we were making like 10 a week or in a, in two weeks. And I remember just being exhausted. I was like, this is impossible. It's so hard. It takes so much effort to make these and we're selling them for like eight bucks or six yeah. bucks or something ridiculous. I think it was eight. Yeah. <sighs> Eventually then 10 and, and then, then like 12, 12 yeah. and then 16 and then 18. And now, you know, they're up to like $10,000. <laughs> okay. 28, but still, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we did, we had all these boutique shops that we were in and then we did a craft fair in September, 2013. And we like decked it out. We made walls for this craft fair. We had a 10 by 10 space and we made eight foot walls. <laughs> you know, something we'd never done before. Uh, well, because basically we wanted it to look like a bakery. So yeah. we built like the walls, we built the, paste, the first iteration of the pastry cases. Um, we wore, uh, I wore yellow like pants and Sky wore a yellow skirt and we had white shirts with pink bow ties and we had paper soda jerk hats. Yep. Uh, and it was a hit. People loved it. It was a one day fair. Um, and it was like, you know, it was exhilarating. I like, I didn't take a single bathroom break the whole day because <laughs> I was so excited, you know, because yep. there's just people coming and it was almost an altered state of mind to be back there and have such a great reception. And, you know, like my cheeks hurt at the end of the day from smiling so much and talking to people. And yeah, this was in, and then, out of curiosity, this was inside Pike's place, right? This is like a, like a special event or was this like somewhere different inside in Seattle? This yeah. was just a craft fair in Seattle. Okay. Yeah, just like a one day craft fair. Um, but at that show, we met the guy who oversees all of the day stall booths for Pike Place Market. So I think a lot of people don't know that if you want to sell in the day stalls of Pike Place, you have to jury in. It's not like. Should we explain what the day stalls are? Oh, yeah, sure. Yes, that was actually going to be one of my questions. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Pike Place Market, people think it's like a fish market or it's like a flower shop or, you know, it's like restaurants. The market's actually huge. It's multiple square blocks and it has everything from the fish market, which there are actually three fish markets, three separate businesses that are fish mm -hmm. markets. There are dozens of restaurants um, and lots of little shops. There's a senior's center where um, uh, senior citizens live. Uh, there's a food bank, just a whole bunch. It's a whole community. And there's also hundreds of people who sell handmade craft um, up in what, what are called the day stalls. They're uh, called day stalls because you set up in the morning and then you break down at night. So. At the end of the night, all the tables are clear. Um, so the day stalls are kind of where we started in the market. So we did that craft fair that went super well. And the guy who runs the day stalls was there. And I'll let you continue the story from there, I guess. <laughs> all right. So um, I think a lot of people, when they're walking through the market, they think that you can just show up and sell for like the day. You, like you just arrive. And if there's a table, you take it and you sell whatever you've got. Um, but it doesn't work like that. You actually have to jury in. There's a whole process with multiple levels of committees and things like that. Um, and you can only sell things that you as the business owner physically make by hand yourself with the help of only one production assistant. So there's all these rules governing the day stalls that are me meant to keep it like just micro businesses doing handmade local stuff. So anyway, the guy that oversees that program of the market was at that craft fair that we did and he saw our stuff and was like, hey, we're always looking for 
new people to join the market, you guys should, you know, try out, send us our, send in your application. And um, we did, and we got in and it was really exciting. <laughs> and that was in November, 2013 that yep, we, started we started upstairs in the booth. Yeah. And the first day, so the market, especially the day stalls, you have to imagine there's all of these crafters. What are crafters but introverts with a creative bent? You know, weirdos, <laughs> freely admitted, hopefully. Sorry, crafters <laughs> out there if you don't feel that way. But <laughs> that's my sense of the situation. Um, so of course it's gonna be like, you've got hundreds of these people uh, who spend most of their time working on creative projects alone. And you're shoving them in like, the public face essentially so in four you, foot little segments yes. along this giant long hallway yeah and you know people have been there for 40 plus years there are people all the way up until you know that just started and people that have been there for 40 years and there's like unwritten unspoken rules of the market and like <laughs> so the way that the market works if you're a crafter you go to roll call in the morning it's a physical roll call you go up front you all gather around this board that has a map of the layout of the day stalls and people based on seniority call out what day stall spot they want and then that's taken for the day so on our first day we're at roll call super nervous like excited but also like oh my gosh what's gonna happen mm -hmm. we call our spot and turns out this was a day that wasn't very busy so there weren't a ton of people there we picked a spot between a couple that had been crafters for like 30 years together and they always split a space in the middle and we went right between them. We didn't know. We didn't know, but and we didn't know why they were so like cranky towards us. <laughs> I mean, understandably, like if you're in that environment, yeah, you know, if there's space, you give it up, you, you, you spread out equally so that you can all have a little extra space. Cause you're not just, if there's extra space, you take what's left over. Um, so it was a big, it was a major faux pas <laughs> and we got not, it was like some low key, you, you got chewed out a little bit. Anne and Richard, if you're watching this, we're sorry still. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I understand why you're upset. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of an interesting moment. Uh, and actually, here's the craziest thing that happened that day. We, the first sale that we had in the market, someone came and they bought one of every single thing that we sold. Which was not many at that It wasn't a lot, no. but they bought. What? Let me, can I ask you a question? When, since you, when, when you first started and you actually had the day stall, so how many, I guess, pastry pets did you have at the time? Like assortment of pastries. Um, obviously you had donut cat. Like, did you have like three, four? um different ones or what did you guys have when it uh we when had, first opened we had the vanilla maple and chocolate big donut cat vanilla okay. maple and chocolate mini donut cat and then maple bear like a maple gotcha. bar which for yep. those of you who don't live in the northwest that's probably called a long john or it doesn't have a name they don't exist on the east coast or in the south yeah yeah it's a long donut with maple glaze we so essentially do, had... we do actually have them now in the south by the way oh, okay, maple nice. bars yeah. they've made yeah. it because mm -hmm. of, of uh, voodoo donuts and then obviously who doesn't like maple bacon on donuts so we've gotten a few of those yeah i mean they outcompete other donuts there's a reason why they're making their way around oh, yeah. <laughs> they're well, the, the apex predator say goodbye long john you're coming maple <laughs> bar is coming for me for you 
yeah so we didn't have a ton of toys but like the big toys you know they're i think at the time they were like 60 bucks or something which was a big deal so they bought three of them one of each flavor and then they bought three of the mini ones and then they bought a maple bear and is that all we had did we only have plush when we got when we started i don't think we had done keychains or anything yet i think it was just toys crazy yeah but yeah they felt really good yeah they bought everything and we were just like it's a sign and but also, I was—I think I was like really <laughs> not excited, but also confused. Well, <laughs> did, was it also kind of like, oh crap, we're gonna have to make way more, start making more? Like, how did you guys? Because since it took a while to do, like, especially in the beginning when you had, like, it was just the two of you. I'm assuming you didn't have what you have now, like your your, you know, your bunch of uh, knitting bakers who go and are you know constantly baking up new new pets. Uh, so, I mean, I could imagine it's like a mixture of, cause it's a day you're going in every day, right? You guys are selling every day at the market or when we is the market? weren't selling every day. So the day stall, the nice thing about the day stalls that's different from like having a commercial space in the market is that your schedule is completely flexible. Like, you know, at that point we were both still working at our other jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe we two were days. doing like maybe two, maybe three days a week, depending yeah. on the week. And it wasn't like we had a set schedule at that point either. We would just be like, oh, look, we've made enough stuff to go. Let's go. Right. So the fear okay. of like, the fear of like making enough money to pay rent wasn't there yet. Yeah. We didn't <laughs> yeah. quit. We didn't both quit our day jobs and commit to like a steady market schedule. To like seven months later. Yeah. Summer 2014. Yeah. Like. And then is it because of the flexibility and just out of curiosity is like how expensive is it to do a day like to be part of the day market because i mean you're 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 obviously selling like you said it's a four foot uh space right so it's pretty small uh you know and compared to like other markets and setups so is it like pretty affordable where like you're like i could do this if i had it i can do it every day i mean obviously i know that the market's always busy uh you know and and there's always you know obviously it's a huge tourist attraction so a lot of people are always there a lot of foot traffic um happening there so is it is it something that's pretty affordable is it like you know i don't know like is it less than 100 bucks a day to be able to do oh yes have you done a have you done like a big craft fair I have done craft fairs. Yeah, I've done. What craft was fairs. the most expensive one? I'll I'll use that in comparison because the market's yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. How cheap? So, how inexpensive so, it is? Oh, that's that's why I was kind of curious because like I know some like we have some like farmers markets that are like twenty five to like thirty bucks a day, and then we have others that are like that's only like a one or two days and it's maybe, you know, if it's like a huge weekend event, you're looking at like maybe 300 bucks for the weekend. Um, or you're looking at something like, you know, some like a hundred bucks, you know, per day to sell. So that's why I was kind of curious to get an yeah. idea of, uh, of adjustment. It's a lot more like the farmer's market. So okay. the pricing is super affordable. The real cost, I mean, it doesn't go above even like on a summer Saturday, it doesn't go above like 36 bucks or something. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is the price is variable. So they charge you less on the weekdays than on the weekends and less in the winter than in the summer. Yeah. So the most expensive day is like a summer weekend and it's like 35 bucks or something. I don't actually know what it is now because we haven't been in the day stalls. We haven't been there. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Comic Con's like 800, 900 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at, you're doing like, yeah. If you're doing something like that or even doing like in Orlando, like a mega con, I think it's like 300 bucks. Um, at least 300 bucks a day or something like that. And it's like a minimum. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's pretty expensive uh, to say the least. So I totally get that. So I do. So I'll never forget. Cause I've been, so I've been to Seattle twice. Um, and the first time, and it was like in Seattle and probably the last 
So since you guys, you guys were there um, and I remember walking and, you know, doing exactly what you said, like we caught the fish because my wife happened to read the book um, from the same guys and like was able to catch a fish. And we did like the whole experience. I'm walking. We're like we're like seeing the flowers, the pasta. I mean, you name it. They have it. It's like one of it's by far my one of my favorite places to visit. Um, and one of the biggest things that I loved about seeing that seeing that market was the fact that it was it was a bunch of small creative small businesses um and i just and being a small business i couldn't i could i just needed to talk to like everyone who caught my eye i was like how did yeah. you start this why did you start this um and i won't forget because i remember seeing thomas uh and i was like and i remember standing and looking at it and, and to me like i think back later when i was thinking about it is like very similar to probably how i most people maybe look at my stuff and go what the heck is this but for me it was more like holy crap i'm like this is so like unique and and obviously like because of the whole branding aspect of it like like you said like thomas like you got the fact that you guys like the bow tie wearing the soda jerk hat the fact that you guys had all the the pastry pets like in like a almost like a, an encased looking like donut shelf um like and the fact that it was only like four like it's only like four feet you guys even had like made i still remember because you even had like like a banner made of like paper like a paper little banner uh you know kind of like banneret and it was like i was just and i remember standing back there and just looking and going what the heck is this this is amazing <laughs> um and i couldn't wait to talk to you guys because i was like i need to talk to them because i'm like look at them i'm like this is like who came like because i mean are you guys like i'm just kind of curious are you guys big cat people like I, I was like like do you love cats or because i'm like a dog guy that's the only reason i'm asking because like wait i'm like okay, everyone is... always asks us that question and um well no one will be able to see because that we're gonna just have but there is a puppy that I'm holding right There's now. There's a dog, a puppy, yeah. and an awesome puppy. So, like for me, because I was like, man, I'm like, I'm like, this is like, this is amazing. And I'm like watching, and the fact that, like you said, the fact that you made them small, and that you actually can, you actually grab them with like tongs, and you put them in the little paper. The experience, like that, to me was like, like that is part of the experience of being able to see it. Um, was just amazing. So like, was that something that you guys kind of like, and I know you kind of alluded to it in the beginning of the crafts fair, because you guys had to almost go from the, from the, from the craft, like the craft fair, like when you guys did that to then saying, how do I have to make this smaller and encapsulate this mm -hmm. 10 by 10 area to now four feet, um, you know, area and be able to provide that, that experience, um, talk a little bit about the the reason why it's so important to be able to have that like branding and kind of be able to give that experience to a customer um, when they're coming, because I do think that it adds an extra layer um, to when you see someone and approach someone and you see them like the whole, the whole thing, when you see it from a distance and you approach it, it's, it's an experience. Yeah. Well, first off cat people, if you're listening, we also love cats. We just happen to have a dog. Yes, I, we like all animals, <laughs> we do, but no, true. people assume that we're like crazy cat people. We're not. We're just crazy people. <laughs> yeah, you don't need the cat or the dog on there. Um, I mean, that's probably part of it. Like, in all seriousness, like we, Sky, and I went to art school together, so spent a ton of time drawing and thinking about that kind of effort and spending a lot of time alone just working on projects and doing things so there's a certain amount of um, that that goes into anything like that where you just have to be able to buckle down and solve a problem and be able to 
be hypercritical about it, <laughs> like, which is a big part of it. You know, like having an idea, executing it and being like, is this good enough, you know? Um, but it, it's also very iterative. Did you have something to well, say Well, I don't know, maybe I'll, I don't know if I'm gonna answer the question exactly either, but I guess the reason for me that, I gotta backtrack. Okay, <laughs> the reason why branding and making it an experience is so important is because especially in Pike Place, people are looking for an experience. Like they're not just looking to go and just have a transaction. You know, you could buy most of the things that you can buy in the market or somewhat similar things just shopping online and that would be fine. You know, you could find another small handmade toy company. You could find another jeweler, another pasta shop, whatever, and just order it from your house. But when you go to somewhere like Pike Place, like you want the whole experience. You want to do what you did where you go and you see the fish being thrown and you pick out your bouquet and you sample all the food. And it's so easy to get overwhelmed in a place like that with so much going on. So for us, it was just like, I don't even know if we really thought about it in kind of a conscious way, but it seemed very clear that like in order to stand out in that space and in order to make our business like the most enjoyable and fun thing that it could possibly be, like it had to be an experience in and of itself. And we did start that at the craft fair. Um, and then as far as like downsizing it to the booth was definitely a challenge, but we always knew that like the tongs and the paper bags and soda jerk hats were like, those are like the key points. <laughs> and so yeah. as long as we could fit that in there, and that's, I don't know, it's what really matters. Sharing that experience with the people that you're in a sense performing for as the, retail person, yeah. as the retail person, <laughs> like you get to share in that and there's joy in that as well. You know, the fact that you can see people just light up with excitement or see them slowly. Like one of my favorite things to do at the booth, especially, kids would come up and they'd be super excited about it. And their parents would be very standoffish, you know, cause they're not a hundred percent sure about what this is or what it's about or why, you know, the toys cost so much, you know, or whatever it is. And it would be a lot of fun for me to just show that there are all these layers to what this experience is. There's, uh, there's the toy itself and then there's the making aspect and then there's the branding aspect and then there's little touches that we put in there as well little clever little one-liners or just a genuine conversation with the person that we're talking to like to draw them into a real human experience to almost give them a throwback to an earlier way of living where you knew the guy at the hardware shop and yep. you talked to him a little bit you know like providing a space for that to happen and doing it in a genuine way is it's good for us as people too. So yeah, your answer is way better than what this guy. <laughs> no, I just didn't know where you were going with no, the whole, like I, we work hard. I think it it's a good, I think it's a, it was a good mix. It was a good mix. So right, let's cool. fast. So let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. So now you're in the stall, obviously success. You're doing it. You're, you know, you decided seven months later to start kind of like, Hey, we're going to do this full time. And you fast forward 2019. You guys have the chance to open a brick and uh, like your own spot inside Pike's place. Like, 
how did that how did that conversation go? Because obviously now you're talking like more more. You know, I look I look at my brain went like as soon as I I saw it when I saw that that was coming, I was like super excited. I was elated for you guys. Um, but at the same time, my brain went with like holy crap. I'm like way bigger space more stuff to more stuff to have to fill um and then also the fact that like oh this is going to be way more expensive than a day stall because it's waste you know obviously it's not like a little it's not a small footprint so like how did that decision making go especially with both of you guys doing it full time like you guys are the business like at what how was that a hard conversation to have um was there like an aspect of like concern and fear of like, what if, um, or, you know, what kind of, or did you just say, forget it, let's just go. We're going all, you know, we're going, we're going all in. Well, that, I mean, that covers a lot of different feelings that we had. <laughs> it's really, there are a few big factors. I'm just going to say real fast that it wasn't as if they offered us a space in fall 2019 no. <laughs> with no like preamble. And we were just like, had to decide like, yes or no. Like we had been working on the market for yes. years at that Lobbying point. Like them. we had known for so long that we wanted a permanent yes. space, but spots just like never come open in Pike Place. Yeah. Like well, the, the good, space. good spots, we should yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. The market is huge and there are places mm -hmm. where people just don't go. Nooks and crannies. So there's no turnover in those places. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But the space that we got, the woman who had had the store in there previously had been there for like 30 years. So wow. that space hadn't been open for a long time. But yeah. basically, yeah, it wasn't like they came to us and happen. were like, oh, hey, decide right now. It was like yeah, we had yeah. been pestering them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> pestering them for a long time. So finally they were like, okay, this lady's retiring. <laughs> you can have this space. Right. Um, was it one of those where they're like, hey, do you want a spot for like a certain amount of time to see how it is? Or it was like straight up like, hey, you want to sign a lease? Uh, yes. And, and it went that route. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that decision process, that decision tree so i'll give you guys a little bit of surrounding information about toy making because it <laughs> it heavily influenced influenced our decision so gonna get a little luxury here <laughs> so hand making stuffed animals and making it as something that you do for a living do Near, not recommend do not recommend <laughs> it's nearly it's nearly impossible and there's a couple reasons and the big ones are they have a low cultural value as objects. So consider me a master toy maker. <laughs> well, I do pretty good at what I do. Same thing with Sky, same, you know. Um, I can spend an hour on a toy and it can be worth 30 bucks, say. A jeweler can spend an hour on a piece of jewelry and the, the markup, the perceived value of that effort and the material is way higher than a toy mm -hmm. because it's such a heavily globalized and industrialized process. We have expectations about what the value is for them. You know, toy is not jewelry. Yeah, yeah. well, that too, yeah. in well, a yes, different yeah. way. <laughs> but uh, so we were eating ourselves alive at the day stalls. We weren't gonna make it um, much longer because of those rules as well. You can only have one production assistant. So it was Sky and I, just plugging away, being there at the booth. You know, it's February, it's raining outside. We're riding our bikes, we can't afford a car. You know, we're bringing our stuff in, our toys in on our bike bags in the morning, freezing cold, sewing in the cold, just a few people walking by, you know, like just picture that scene. I'm wearing 
three pairs of thermal pants and uh, pants on top and, you know, like. And because of the handmade rules of the day stalls, you know, it's not like we could have this product that's so time consuming and labor intensive, but then also supplement that with something that's just designed by us outsourced. Yeah. It's like, nope, everything that you sell has to be handmade. So get back to work, you guys. Like like our coloring book, I would go back home into our one bedroom apartment, which is also our studio for for most of that time. We didn't have a dining room. We had a print station, (laughs) you know, our our dining nook. Um, So it was just, an incredible amount of effort to maintain the level that we were at. Um, and, and really, really hard to like grow yes. past a certain point. Right. Like we had a lot of eyeballs on our stuff, which was super helpful. And we got to meet a lot of people, but it's like, you know, you get older, <laughs> you, you know, you start doing something when you're how old did we, was I, 20, 26, 20 something, like 26 or something. And, you know, you have this spryness about you <laughs> and, Useful enthusiasm. but, you know, when you get into your thirties, you start to slow down a bit in, in some ways. And it's just like, you have to make things work in different ways. And for us, it's like, we knew we had to have a store. Um, and another reason why we needed to have a store outside of, outside of the fact that the main thing that we offer is very difficult to make and undervalued and that it was very hard is that our, what we make really requires its own context. So you were talking a little bit about how when you saw us, it stood out because it had a, a branding and a look. In the Daystall booths, you're in a very particular environment. There's a lot of smells outside. There's, you know, it's meant to be a historical market. So there's like columns in the way, the lighting's really bad. It's, uh, it's noisy, mm-hmm. it's bustling, which is the great thing about it as well. But it doesn't really give that feeling that our toys have. It doesn't give that essential like bakery feeling. Yeah. So having a store, Sky had the opportunity to design a space to our specification to really um, convey that emotion convey that what that experience should be so that was another big reason why we wanted to do it to just make it that much better yeah a whole little world (laughs) i think the fact and i think that's like a huge factor the fact that you guys said that you guys couldn't do like keychains and do all these other elements to it because those are all things that either a you can you know you'd have to make everything um so it does kind of create a level of difficulty to kind of be able to expand the brand or the you know the product line um when you're when you're not able to actually just say okay yeah i can get this done like someone else you know have someone else screen print the shirts for me uh, and whatnot and stuff like that so that makes total sense um you guys so and i think because of that um, I'm assuming since because of that, because that's one of the reasons why I've noticed like a huge um, influx of amazing different types of products. Um, but I also noticed that you guys do a really, really good job with collaborating with other artists, um, like some of your prints um, and even like your newest, your newest thing, kind of like the little dish, your little, your little, um, you know, your little dish area for like the cats, which is like kind of like, I mean, it's great. It's great because it's like a perfect little concept um, to have it and it fits within your world um, of having your, you know, your, your donut cat, but that's kind of like in a dish. So like, is that something that you guys came up with that you wanted to do, or is that something and you approached folks or do you have enough because of the creative community, they all started coming to you and saying, Hey, I'd love to do something with you guys. And it just kind of 
just steamrolled? How did that collaboration happen um, with the different products that you guys offer now? Well, the poster collaboration actually started like years and years ago, back when we were still in the day stalls, but we just couldn't sell them at the booth because again, it wasn't our work. So we were only selling them through our website and, you know, at the time, not selling much of anything through our website. So not selling many posters, but that was, that was Thomas's idea back in the day, just because we did have so many artist friends and we would often meet people at the market who were artists. And it was just a fun way to like get to know them and throw a little bit of work their way. And I don't know, just, I guess, strengthen those relationships. Um, yeah, we, we, um, Sky and I are pretty good at a lot of things. Um, but it's like, there are people out there who are so specifically amazing at some things. And it's like, you just can't even touch, you know, you're just like, <laughs> uh and to have the opportunity to work with people that are super talented and super specific in what they do it's just cool you know and being part of the crafting community it's just you you rub shoulders with all sorts of like super talented people so that yeah the poster project was like 2014 through 2016 and it was just fun it was a fun thing to do the latest iteration is actually sky's idea and she's managing all those uh products and relationships with the artists. Um, and that's something that she's been wanting to do for a while. Yeah, well, it was kind of a two pronged thing because it was like, you know, like you were saying earlier, we have this whole store now, we've got to fill it and we do a pretty good job with our stuff, but there's always more space. Um, so it was like, you know, how do we get some cool stuff in here that A, again, we don't have to make because we've got toys to make and enough stuff to do. So, you know, yeah. new products that we don't have to like have our hands in it all. Pretty awesome. Um, something for our fans to be excited about because they always want new things. And then again, just getting to meet and collaborate with these people. And, you know, like you were talking about the trinket dishes that we just released. It's like, yeah, I've made some ceramics they weren't very good right. um, Natalie's are amazing so like yeah you know if you happen to come together through Instagram or whatever with someone whose work you admire and they want to work with you and they're really good at what they do it's like yes absolutely like let's work on something together so yeah for the most recent ones it was definitely kind of both where I reached out to people and then I also did just like an open call for to see what ideas people had and they yeah. sent some things in so yeah and it's I mean, been great <laughs> the basis of what we do is hand crafting you know sky and i still spend probably 50 percent of our time just sewing and making toys like that's been our life for almost a decade you know that's so crazy. there's a lot of i feel like what happens a lot especially in creative industries is it gets co-opted and then mass produced in some way or another and having that strong connection to the production side of things, it changes your perspective and gives you a lot of respect for people who are doing it on their own, yeah. you know, <laughs> and to see someone that can master something that, you know, took years of effort is, uh, well, you just have to honor that if you can. And yeah, yeah sharing that is always a good thing. How do you guys handle, um, or at least handle not getting burned out because it's a lot. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that up until very recently, we have not done a very good job of handling that. Yeah. Oh, that is the ultimate question, right? It's like, we, okay, so here's, here's what happened. <laughs> We're in the day stalls 
we're cranking away. It's been six years of just, you know, just grinding. I mean, also loving it. Don't get me wrong, but it's still work. Like if you have a job and you're working 60 hours a, work, uh, a week, you know, it's still hard, you know, even if it's something you love doing. Uh, so we're just grinding this out at six years. And at that point, sorry, Pike Place Market, we totally snuck in another employee to help us out for like the last year that we were in the day stalls because we were just, we couldn't do it. Yeah. And that summer before we found out we were getting a spot store like two weeks before sky and i started taking a day off <laughs> a regular day consistently, off. consistently consistently and this is like three weeks we're like this is awesome i think we it was only once off. a month though or something wasn't it or was it, it once started every it other used week? to be once it used to be once a month that was guaranteed or and then it was like once every other week and then we finally were like once a, once a week we're gonna do it okay and three weeks into it it's like we found a space for you guys <laughs> so we're like, oh goodbye days off <laughs> Up until Time about to open a store. Up until about a month ago, we've been going well, and I mean quarantine, of course. But yeah. up until about a month ago, we we've just been going hard. Um, but we started taking day off again, which has been really nice. Yeah, you know, we as friars trying to prevent burnout, having a lot of different projects going at once, I think, is helpful because you at least get to feel like something novel is happening. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um but that can also be a double-edged sword because then you have so many irons in the fire and you just feel completely overwhelmed by how much stuff you have going so that is arguably helpful um (laughs) but we finally just hired enough store people just within the last like two months that um thomas is only down at the store one day a week and i am there zero days a week now which feels crazy aside from going down and just, you know, checking on things and filling in here and there and stuff like that. Cause the store still feels like my baby. So I don't want to be totally hands off with it. Um, But it's been seven years. Yeah. And like now we take every Saturday off together. It's feels insane. It feels so (laughs) weird and yet so right. Yeah. (laughs) So burnout's like a real thing and you see it in Pike place. Like we are class of, 2013 um there were 12 of us that joined the day stalls at the same time yes that joined the day stalls at the same time like you have a um an orientation together your cohort exactly (laughs) so you know who they are they drop like flies there i think there are three left um yeah and i mean it's like even if you stick it out like you see it in the people that have been there for a long time it's like the passion kind of dies and you're just kind of going through the motions and you're not really like pushing yourself either in your craft or to grow your business and i mean we see that in some of the commercial tenants down there too it's not just the day stall side it's like anything that you do if you do it long enough it loses its magic so and just small business it's like you do it all so it, it it fries you in different ways. You know, the day stall is like a pressure cooker though, because it's all of it and it's so immediate and so intense, like, cause you can't take that pressure off yourself. You can in some ways, like you can hire a person to sell for you, but we knew that we couldn't afford to pay someone to do nearly as good of a job as we would do. So we never, we actually did that for two days. We had someone sell for us, but you just can't, Mm, you can't give that kind of 
experience I, if you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Well, it's also, I mean, I also think like, cause I, people have asked me, they're like, well, why don't you have someone like sell your stuff when you go do events? And my biggest thing was, well, in many ways, I feel like I am part of the brand. Like that's, I have the story. I have the reason, like I have the explanation of why I did it. And when people start listening to you, they start gathering and seeing that passion. And that becomes then another at, layer of it. It's kind of like another connection to the brand um, when they have that and they see that experience and the, and the knowledge or just the passion of why you're doing it. So I totally understand that. That's like a, that's always a tough one, you know, with that whole aspect of like, how much am I willing to kind of give up uh, at the same time of, but at the same time, having to get that ebb and flow. Cause like you said, when you're doing all this, you're doing all the different aspects of business, you can, it, it's, it's overwhelming. Cause then you don't, you kind of almost start losing the creative side. Cause you got so much of the business side that sometimes has to happen. And that's kind of the unfun part um, of the business sometimes. I mean, Sky spends hours a day, just writing emails. We're at the point now we've grown to a, you know, our company is nine people now and we have got a storefront and online's picking up and, you know, it's, it's getting more serious. So it's like, we luckily, I mean, a good part of that is there's enough momentum, like the snowball is rolling enough now that the context is more noticeable because you go into the store you know, you maybe saw us online before, or you just see that there are a lot of people in there. There's like a pull to come in. Um, and the people that work for us, like understand what it is and know what it is. So we get to take a little bit of a step back from that, that aspect of it. Um, yeah, we were just talking the other day about how we feel like it's finally reached a point to where we don't have to be like you were saying, like, such an integral part of the brand like, every part we don't have yeah. to have our story front and center to like sell what this is like it's finally finally almost 10 years later at the point where it can sell itself and a huge huge portion part of that is the store and just being in that space um yeah it's like we always knew that the store was the answer and it feels so gratifying to know that that actually was true yeah and i mean <laughs> a lot of that a lot of the ability for that for the store to maintain itself is a administrative undergirding you know like there's so much that goes into just having it open like compared to the amount of things that we sold in the past like at the day stalls you know it's multitudes more so it's just yeah. there's a lot more to keep our eyes on and that has to be attended to, or there is no store, you know? Yeah. So it's like the business aspect has definitely risen in profile as of late. And also the management aspect. What, uh, what advice would you give someone who has uh, a unique business concept uh, and is maybe thinking twice about doing it because it's so out there or maybe so different? Um, do you have any advice for them? So there's two ways that I'd go about it. First one is having the experience that we've had. Ideas are cheap. <laughs> ideas are easy. I can give you a great idea right now. How about a teleporter that teleports a sandwich from where you are to where I am? Sounds really nice, right? Love it. Like, <laughs> right. Perfect idea, right? It's But it's a matter of execution. You know, like, if you have a great idea, that's awesome. And you do have to have something to start with, of course, and you have to have some passion for it. But what really 
what happens is you find out if you're determined. You find out if you have what it takes to actually see something through. Um, so the advice I would give is like, this is something that I've been learning a lot about recently because Sky is a much more organized person than me and handles most of the administration and just making sure that stuff is on block, you know, that the, the calendar is scheduled. So I've been able to kind of like ride in her wake, <laughs> um, but I'm trying to get out of that because it's, you know, in a way taking advantage of what she has to do. Yeah. Um, so something that I would give advice to someone who is like me, who is not as conscientious or uh, detail oriented is like master yourself in some way like schedule be reliable be consistent you know and start in a small way doing that like give yourself a goal to do and instead of just having that project sit around and be like oh I'll get to it I'll get to it I'll get to it it's like if you don't make it happen it won't happen yeah and I mean, as far as just developing your idea, like if, if you're worried that it's too out there and too weird, I say just lean in and make it weirder. Like, you know, do what we did, get the freaking tongs in the pastry bags and just like take it to the next level of weird because it's either going to make it or people weren't going to care anyway and they're still not going to. But like if you are willing to go that extra step and just like, really make it the best possible version of what it can be or maybe just the fringiest possible version of what it can be i mean that's what's going to separate you from everybody else so yeah yeah let, let it go <laughs> and give your give your give yourself time to suck at what you do <laughs> like you know the first like hundred toys that we made were not good yeah, I don't know why people bought them. <laughs> right, like, I'm very glad they some, did. <laughs> there's some like essential part of it that was good. Yes. There's some essential part of it that was like appealing. Like there was something some there. Some essence was there, yeah. But the handcrafting skills were terrible. Terrible. Okay, not, not terrible. Great. Like we're pretty good. They weren't great. You're right. They weren't terrible. They just weren't, um, they weren't professional. They weren't great. And it really took you know, after a thousand, you know, you can start to be a little more critical, but it, initially it's important to be like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. There's going to be so many different hurdles that I'm going to have to jump over and I'm going to fall on them the first try pretty much every time. Like it's okay to fail forward. Do you, uh, how many, do you guys have a running tab of like how many pastry pets you've, uh, you guys have of like, have you guys ever gone that route of trying to figure it out? years ago we did and it was like 20,000 toys remember. I don't know we're probably at around 30 somewhere around there 30,000 that's insane that's insane plus <laughs> I know <laughs> it is it's weird oh yeah also if you're crafting planning to do craft keep in mind there is a physical pull for all that kind of stuff if you're going to do it at a high like rate <laughs> like yeah be careful <laughs> no, definitely what uh how do you deal with, and I'm just kind of curious because I, I always, my, when I come home from an event, my, my family usually wants to hear, they don't want to hear about the, it sounds crazy. I've been doing it long enough now that they never, they never want to hear about the, the, like the, like the exciting scenes or the people they want to hear about the naysayers, you know, the ones that come up to you and go, why would you open a place like this? Like, how do you, how, you ever, like, I'm assuming you guys get that. Like, do you ever get those where I'm like, wow, I'm like, I'm spending more time talking to you about trying to tell, like, you're, why are you still talking to me if you don't like what I have? 
but yet you're like, why would you do this? Like, do you ever get that? Did you guys ever get those people that walk in? They're like, why would you do cats in a donut? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you ever get oh. that? And then they're like, and they just go and go and go. And you're like, oh, okay, then just leave now. Thanks. Fortunately, get we get a lot fewer of them now in the store than at the booth. Yeah. The um in the open air booths when everyone is just like just walking past you person after person after person every day, you just hear so many stupid comments. Mm -hmm. And like it is exhausting and it can make you feel really bad about yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um thankfully with the store now, there's like a physical barrier to entry. It's like yes, you, you to get to look to in the in. store, yeah. you can see you know, more or less what's going on. You might not fully understand it, but you get to decide whether or not you want to like enter that realm. So that's been really nice. But as far as like, how do you deal with it? I, so it's changed for me. Like, actually, I do not mind people that don't get it because in my, like, they're missing out. That's how I think about it. I'm like, that's fine. Honestly, if someone, if someone's even on the fence in the store, so they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, don't worry about it. You can take a card and order it online. I don't want them to get it. And maybe it's kind of like a selfishy sort of thing. I don't want them to be part of what it is at this stage. They're going to be a latecomer. They're going to be like, oh, I saw these guys at the market, but they're not going to have been like someone who got why it was interesting at that time. And that's their loss. So for me, I'm like, yeah. That's true. And the thing that they don't buy, someone who really loves it is absolutely going to walk <laughs> yeah. in five minutes later and buy the thing. So yeah yeah <laughs> no, that makes total that makes total sense what's uh what do you guys think is next do you guys have like a a passion like a passion project you're like man i really want to be able to do because i mean you guys already have um you guys have done some kind of form of vinyl figure um of the of you know like i know your your fortune uh vinyl figures um of your of what you call it your fortune cat uh, the, Maneki donut Neko, cat. the lucky donut cat yes, so those guys are that, actually those guys are uh two-part urethane not to be pedantic but they those ones <laughs> yeah the lucky donut cat figurines we those were cast and then hand painted by us mm -hmm. so those weren't like official vinyl toys although wow. that but being we, said we are making an official vinyl. it'll be out in a couple like a month and a half or two months yeah. So, so that's exciting. Love it. That is exciting. <laughs> love it. That's like, like, well, my brain goes there. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm like, if it's either that or 3d printed version, uh, but something like that's got to come. Cause they just would make sense to, to have them. Uh, that's awesome. Very, very exciting. What, anything else that you guys, uh, are kind of looking, I mean, is it kind of one of those where you have like a little brainstorming area where you kind of like keep all your like ideas of like, Oh, this would be cool. And you kind of have like a little parking lot, uh, or like, you know what I mean? Like a little spot where you kind of leave it in there. You're like, Oh, what about this? And then you just kind of leave it out there. So it's like out in the universe, but you're not, it's not really there. Like, how do you guys do some of that brainstorming stuff? Oh, there's a bolded list. <laughs> there are many things. I mean, there's enough, there are enough projects that we have in the pipeline for us to kind of just float for years, honestly. Like the idea never came up with another idea. It'd it would be good for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And as far as like other completely other ideas outside of the pastry pets, uh, that, I mean, that would be a big, completely, you know, be a different brand. Uh, and we would like to do that eventually after cool. pastry pets is a little more solved as far as just like figuring out how to manage the size of this thing and knowing that it's going to grow. So yeah, the pastry pet side of it, it's like, if we just had 
oh, if we just had time, <laughs> we would have so many things, so many more things coming out. Uh, but you know, there's a lot, of, lot to deal with. Yeah. yeah, there's like five things we're working on right now. There's a really fun project that I'm hoping actually happens in the fall, like we said that it was gonna, like last January, <laughs> um, of a, a re-release of a limited edition thing that we, so we've done like multiple limited edition plush toys in the past. Mm -hmm. And um, there's one that people really loved that we we were hoping to re-release this fall, but it's already August. So I don't know if that's yeah. gonna happen, but I'm hoping it does. It's so, a pretty big project. It's multiple products. Yeah, we'll uh, keep you posted on that one. But if that happens, that, that'd be great. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing that I do love is the fact that you guys have gone now and because of the storefront, like have the ability to do like the shirts, the, you know, t-shirts, you know, sweatshirts, uh, you know, so there's all that aspect of it. The fact that your store has the Instagrammable, I would say the Instagrammable wall, uh, I definitely would say you guys always have that aspect of it. So that's kind of some of the things that I find to be like such a great experience. Like I'm looking forward to, like, I'm always trying to find an excuse to go back to Seattle. So like, I definitely will be visiting the store, uh, when I finally get the opportunity to go back. But I mean, for me, every time I would come, I always would try to find you guys or at least see you guys. Um, just because it was like, there are certain spots that I had at Pike's place that I knew I needed to hit, uh, while I was going around. So like, and you guys are always one of them just cause I wanted to just see you guys and I kind of feed off your, the creative energy. So it's kind of how I look at it. Um, what advice do you have any, I guess, any tips or advice or ma mantra that you guys use, um, or, or live by, um, you know, in the, you know, that you guys kind of live by. Yeah, I know exactly is, what you're going to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to sound pessimistic. Don't take it that way. People listening. <laughs> it's lower your expectations. Okay. okay and here's why <laughs> we, we, we got burned so many times on releasing products or working on some new thing that we were like, this is going to be it. You know, this is going to be the thing, you know, like if anything's going to happen for us, this is going to be the thing that's going to make it happen. And the, the first big one, we did this limited edition toy called a pizza bagel cat. So was, we could I use our same pattern cat. for the, yeah, yeah. we released yeah. them in 2015, I think 2016, somewhere around there. And, uh, so we got to use the same pattern that we already used for the donut cap, but we made different toppings for them. We only made 50. We custom made, meaning die cut our own and printed our own packaging, like a little pizza box that we designed and made in-house. And they each came with a sticker. And I mean, were, it was a really ambitious box. project for a company that really didn't have that much of a following at yep. the time. But it felt like that thing that we would do that was like, this will be the thing people are going to remember. And this is going to be like a huge moment for us. The first day, I think at that point, you know, we, we had some fans. So I think we sold like five the first day online. And so we've got 45 still. We can maybe sold a one at the, at the booth. Yeah. It took like four months it to sell from through. August to December to sell yeah. through 50 of these like really cool limited edition toys <laughs> and they only cost fifty dollars and i swear to you they were probably if you were to pay us like seattle minimum wage they were probably about a hundred and fifty dollars worth of effort and that doesn't even count the design and creative side like yeah. crazy do you think so it, that was in the beginning though so do you think now as as you've evolved 
that's one of those things where you bring you a concept of like that similar concept like that may come back. Uh, or is that something that you kind of like, you know what I mean? Because I totally agree with that. I, I agree with the idea of lowering your expectations because I do, I do the same thing a lot of times like, Ooh, what if this is it? Like, what if this is my secret <laughs> sauce, uh, that's supposed to like, this is the sandwich shirt. That's going to like get me to notoriety and whatever. And then I just like, ah, oh, like I did one for, um, cause I did one cause I live in Orlando. So I did one for, um, what if Anna from frozen opened a sandwich shop it would be called Anna sandwiches and i created like her shirt of like if it was going to be something that she would uh like the what you would wear at the store uh like if they were like mate working like almost like an employee shirt um of like you know kind of like their their thing and i was like this is gonna crush <laughs> yeah i still yeah. got a whole bunch i'm like by all means people please buy them especially like people who love them see them they absolutely love it it's just that it just didn't do what I thought it was going to do because I thought, oh, I'm in Orlando. This is going to like people, Orlando people are going to love this for Disney stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely, that's always a hard part is trying to keep that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can only imagine for you guys, especially because I'm, I'm creative, but I'm not like the artistic side. So like I'm, i my big thing has been lately uh, progress over perfection. So my, I'm really kind of curious on how difficult it is for you guys um, and obviously you kind of gave an answer with the sense of like the, the craftsmanship before it go to where it is now, but how difficult it would, was it for you to release things, um, initially, or even now because of a certain level of create, you know, creativity and workmanship of saying, oh yeah, not, not up to par. I don't want to, I don't want to release this. Did you guys ever have those moments where you're like, yeah, not, not ready yet. Let's incubate it or workshop this or, or make some tweaks to it. That is constantly our issue because yeah. we have we have really high standards, and so this ties into lowering our, your expectations. Lower your exterior expectations. Keep your standards high for yourself. Yeah, I mean everything that we release goes through so many like iterations and redos, and that's like one thing that kind of frustrates me sometimes is people be like, why don't you make more like new toys more often? It's like, you have no idea how many prototypes it takes to go from like a flat piece of fabric to a toy that looks good that you would actually want to buy. It's not like, you know, oh, we have an idea. Let's make one. It's perfect. All right, sell it. It's like, no, it's like months and months and and months of work. There's not just one and it's every aspect, you know, because you have to take photos, you have to design a tag, you have to, you know, write copy for the website. You have to post about it you just have to it's a whole process it's not just like oh just make the toy it's like aside from just the physical aspect of designing something it's it's a it's a whole problem to solve it's a lot i will say now that if we were to release the pizza bagel cats again i guarantee you the 50 would be sold in like yeah a day yeah because the, yeah. the more recent limited edition things that we've done now that we actually have a good following have sold really quickly but But even still we don't come into it when we release a toy i i i emotionally separate myself (laughs) from the success of that toy yeah i'm like i'm thankful that the process of getting this thing out is done and i will enjoy it in a in a while (laughs) you know like like it's hard to it's hard to look at your own work in some ways it's like you finish something and you're happy that it's done, but all the effort that went into it, it's like you derived all of that pleasure from creating it. And then once it's released, you're just, it, it is a release for you as well. Yeah. You're so ready I try for not la- to get too. 
Yeah. You're almost ready for like the next thing. As soon as like, by the time I'm finally released and everything between getting mod, like for me, it's like model shots and writing everything and finally getting everything printed and getting everything. I'm just like, people are like, you must be so excited. I'm like, I'm ready for the next one. Cause I've like, yeah. I've, been, yeah. I've spent so much time on this thing. So for so long before I finally got there that it's like, it's exhaust. You're like, you're like, yeah, I I'm ready for the next, the, the next big one to kind of come yep. through. So no, I totally get that. <laughs> Totally get that. Do you guys have any questions for me out of curiosity? Yeah, Thomas is really uh, interested in the Biggie Bread puppet and yeah. how it came to be and who made it and everything about it. <laughs> so, so it's it, that's one of those things where my brain was like, "Hey, I want to, I want to create something. I want to be able to use them." Um, and one day I came up with the idea that I wanted a puppet. I don't know why, and it was one of those where I'm like, "Did I really need a puppet? No, but I wanted it." <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I started looking around and ironically, I found a guy and I can, I'll send you the, their name. Cause I, I have to look it up again. Um, he actually is a, the person that made my, my, made my biggie bread puppet was actually a puppeteer is a puppeteer at Disney. Uh, and nice. he actually cool. loves making puppets. Um, and I actually, because of this, I actually started following like a whole bunch of other puppet people just because I'm so intrigued by it. Um, I really should do use him more. The hard part with him is that he's not his mouth is because he's fully customed um, his mouth. When you use it, it's very almost like very hard to move. So it's not like a Kermit the Frog style where it's like very easy. So it almost actually hurts your hand because it's like so, <laughs> so hard. And that, that it actually had they when they gave them to me, they actually gave me golf balls to put in his mouth to kind of keep it open to kind of oh, yeah. stretch it out a little bit. Um, but yeah, he was one of those where I got him and for, and then it was once again, one of those things where I got him, and then I was like, well, I'm not very good at this. And then I like talked myself out of using them and I must've had him for like a year and I didn't do anything with them. And then I just said, you know what? I really need to start using him because he is, he's version of me as my alter ego. So then I started doing more videos and doing like, oh, I'm going to do sandwich jokes and do like little things with them. Um, I have other ideas that I want to do with them. Like I would love to do like kind of Sesame Street-ish type of thing with like my daughter and have him like interact and like have him talk, tell sandwich, like facts and things like that. <laughs> I just haven't gotten there. And that's the, the hard part is like the consistency. Like I'll go, I'll go like one, I'll basically start filming on my phone and I'll do like, I'll grab a whole list of sandwich jokes and I'll record for like a good hour, just like a bunch of like 20 second like jokes and then have it and then be able to feed it. Um, but then what happens is like, I, I have like literally like a huge thing on my phone of all these different jokes, sandwich jokes, and I just either forget or I just don't, don't think to it. Like I have to get more organized on using all that stuff because I have so much content but then I forget to start throwing it. And then I'm like, oh, I don't think anyone wants to see this. They've already seen this. But of course, as you know, social media content basically is like a stream. It just constantly flows. So some people have not seen are not have not seen half the things that you've posted um, yeah. because of it. So I have to get better at it. But yes, that is how Biggie Bread Biggie Bread became. Um, and they gave, even gave me gloves so that I can wear like so his hands because my goal is to wear black sleeves and actually make be able to make a puppet, make a have him make a sandwich like overhead. But the only thing was like my whole thing is I'm paranoid about getting the white gloves stained because if I use mustard or something, it's going to like, I know it's going to get all over his hands. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing with the, having the puppet, but that's one of those where I was like, 
I wanted to flex my creativity. That same thing. I also have like a crochet one. If you look at the very far corner, I'll, I'll I have a crochet version of him. Um, just because I, I really do. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated with him. I think he's just a fun version of me that, uh, you know, I want to do more with. He looks real good. Um, yeah. other question, what is the hardest part about what you do with deli fresh? the heart i think the hardest part for me is one it's just me so like that's a hard part um i feel like i i always want to brainstorm and i always want to like have you know so i think for me sometimes it's like it's just keeping myself motivated because you do get into those ruts i mean i've been doing this now for eight years um and i'm always kind of like you know i get enough of the hey you should go on shark tank or you should oh go god do this. yes uh, yeah. i actually auditioned i actually auditioned for shark tank um, oh, okay. cause I, because I know someone that actually was in shark tank and they convinced me to do it. And so I did it. Um, obviously I never got a call cause I was never on TV, but, um, but I'm glad I did it. Um, I also think that my idea is so different, um, just to, because of the packaging and everything and the whole experience aspect of it, that like, that's what kind of keeps me. But the most difficult part is keeping myself motivated and at the same time being able to kind of juggle everything mm -hmm. because obviously like you said like you don't have the money to be able to pay for someone to do things for you so then it's like well how do i you know but you have to so then you you're constantly juggling everything um right. and so that's always a difficult that's always been the difficult part the and the other one obviously is i wrap all my shirts myself so when we do events it's like I have I laugh because I have friends who have smaller, ta smaller things. So they basically like load and unload and like nothing. And it takes me at least an hour because like I do this whole setup and I got the tent and then I got all my shirts and they're all the bins and then you got to you know load up your car. So it's you know, that's the hard part when it comes to the T-shirts is the inventory aspect of it. Um, oh, it is God. A, we've learned that. Just so started started learning that. Shirts, yeah. it, is it is a, a crapshoot. It is a crapshoot. And then you're like, well, what size is more this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, people don't want this and then like hey do you have this size and then you're like oh i don't and i'm like you know and it's that's like it's always been yeah, the this like part of 20 way venn diagram of style color and size that you're just like oh god yeah. how many designs <laughs> so do you have we i have about i think last time i looked at least on my website right now i think i have like 28 yeah. So it's, and I'm constantly trying to come up with stuff. And so I have like, I have different series and I have different things. So it's, it's up there. And then the hard part is then you get like, you know, like, Oh wait, like I have way too many of this size, but not enough of like for me. Cause then people were like, can you re are you going to reorder more of this shirt? And I'm like, well, I got every size except for that one. So no, it's not happening anytime soon. Right. You know, that's always print like, five of them. yeah. Can you, can't you just print them in your house? And I'm like, no, I get them printed. I'm like, because, because then, then people are like, well, I look, aren't having you bought a printer. And I'm like, uh, where do you expect me to do this? I was like, like, I, yeah. Like, where do you expect me to print? I'm like, God bless the people that can do it. I think it's amazing. Those folks that can do it and, and can make it happen. But I'm like, I, I, I can't do it. I wouldn't, I would be able to do far less if that happened. For sure. Yeah. It's easy to uh, overextend yourself if you're a creative person. That, and, and that's one of the reasons why I started the brand was because I, I needed that creative outlet. My job is very corporate uh, nine to five and uh, you know, and I needed that creative, very process driven. So I needed that creative outlet. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why I needed to get to do something like this. 
um, for me, even though I'm, I'm like a, not an artist, I doodle everything. Like I see what my design is and very often is my design very similar to what we have, but I rather, I work with various artists to kind of get my vision in my, in my, you know, out, which sometimes obviously then is, a, is, is good and bad. Cause sometimes, you know, you then, I, I kind of fall into that whole idea of like, you know, like, is it good enough? Like, Oh, is this idea really going to work? I'm like, or did I just spend money on something that no one's going to buy? And then like, then I got to spend money on what I made, but then also design also to get it printed. So then it's like double. So that's always the tough part. And then the other aspect like you guys probably deal with is minimums. It's like a lot of times, some of these things that you want to get done to require high, large num number of minimums, depending on what you're doing. Um, but then yeah. you also want to try to work with like other small businesses. And then there's like that kind of, you have like that balancing act of like dealing with like as many small businesses as possible. Uh, but sometimes it's cheaper to deal with some other folks that maybe it's like a little bit larger company that is not as you know massive, but might have a cheaper deal or might be able to provide you something for a little bit less. So it's, it's always a difficult uh, balancing act. Yeah. Small business is just, uh, it's like, risk condensed you know it's it's just you are running into situations where it's like well this could be make or break and it happens yeah. a lot yeah. <laughs> if you're, i mean i feel like that's part of doing it right is being able to make that decision because that is what sets you apart from businesses that either well i can't use like a blanket here for all of these but you know businesses that fail perhaps they didn't take risks that were big enough to really make a go at it I mean, there's the opposite problem too. Some people take too many big risks and go bust. So it's a balance, like you said. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of been the thing for me is like, I've gone slow and steady, but I'm also at a point where I'm like, am I too risk averse where I haven't done enough of a risk or taken enough to do other things? Um, Just quit your day job. You'll figure out. it out real quick. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's always kind of the tough part. Cause like with a family and everything like that, like that kind of yeah. becomes a, the, the hardest part. Cause we're like, you know, cause my wife and I have had conversations like that. She'll be like, Hey, what do you need to do? What do I need to do to do it? And I'm like, I go, there's certain aspects of it where I'm like, I think I can do enough if I just, just dedicated more time to it, you know? Cause obviously if, if you, you know, if I'm, t I, I tell people I'm kind of like tethered right now, like I'm, a, I have a safety harness right now. So it's a lot easier where if I don't sell, it doesn't make or break me in some ways, in all honesty, right. um, because it doesn't, it's not my livelihood. It's more of like, you know, this is something that I want to grow and make it grow. But, and all the money that I make basically goes right back in the business just so I can keep building it. But I, there's certain aspects where I'm like, once you get to that point where you guys are at, where it was like, I need to make this work. Um, it's a totally different beast. You kind of, you, you, it's a different mental, you know, mechanism that kind of triggers and you basically now have to it's either sink or swim you know and yeah. that's kind of the that's really the yes, biggest your part. fear response kicks yes. in for sure <laughs> you've got to have that Correct. survival yep for sure survival for sure. feeling so tell people because obviously i know i've taken a little bit of a longer lunch i really appreciate the fact that the time talking <laughs> with you guys it's been a it's been a blast what how where can people and how can people find you um, on social as well as also online as well as also in Pike's Place. Um, let pe give people the details so they can actually come and find you. You'll never find us. <laughs> no, <laughs> you will. I'll tell you how. <laughs> uh, if you find yourself in Seattle visiting Pike Place Market, you can find us on the first floor right below street level of the main building. So one floor down from where they throw the fish right next to the famous market magic shop, which is definitely the anchor tenant of our floor. 
also the same floor as Golden Age Collectibles, the really famous comic book store in the market. So we're in good company there. If you want to find us online, you can go to www.marninsailor.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-N-S-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Once again, that's www. <laughs> and call now and we'll also throw in a free Our Dog because she's exhausting and you can have her. Uh, just kidding. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook as at Sailor. You can see yeah. all the new cute stuff we're working on. Definitely lots of cool stuff. And you get to see the shop and everything like that. Um, yes. Thank you guys again. Um, that's our show for today. So thank you so much to Thomas and to Sky um, of Martin Sailor for being on and having lunch with me. Um, definitely make sure to check them out. If you're in Seattle, it, you're going to be a Pice Place. So you automatically have to go see them. <laughs> um, just so you know. Um, if you enjoyed the show, definitely make sure to subscribe. If you um, want to support me, definitely check out Deli Fresh Threads. Um, do some shopping. Tell your friends. Um, and thank you. Until next time, keep eating sandwiches and follow your passion. Thanks, guys. Thank you.